Welcome to the AFR Ratings Podcast, Round 19 Rep. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryant. G'day, Aaron. Hey, Pete. How you doing? You called on ABC Radio last night, Port Adelaide versus Collingwood. What a fantastic game. But it was just like watching an old movie where you knew what the ending was going to be. Yeah, it lived up to the hype, that's for certain. And, and I think the main question heading in, we, we knew the calibre of Collingwood and they were the clear premiership favourite. It was just how close can Port Adelaide go to them and whether or not you know that final series is worth the investment, considering that, that Collingwood do feel like a step ahead of everyone else. And they'd beaten Port Adelaide by 71 points in round two and wanted to see how far the power had come since then. And it, they turned up. It was a really excellent game. I don't think either side will walk away concerned about their premiership capabilities. I think Port Adelaide certainly are up to the task. But uh, in the end, as you touched on, Port Adelaide just didn't put them away. They had multiple chances in the third term, kept missing easy shots. And the Magpies, or the Collingwood comeback, it was inevitable. And and it came in that final term. And um, there are a couple of decisions on reflection that I'm sure Ken Hinckley would probably have, if he had his time again, he wouldn't do. You know, subbing out Scott Lysett. Um, using Charlie Dixon and Jeremy Finlayson in the middle probably didn't work in that final term. Taking the tag off Nick Dacos, um, it, it just was enough to really sway the momentum and, and Collingwood capitalise. So absolutely rip a game, but um, I don't think yeah either side will walk away disappointed with what they have to offer. I felt the conditions really suited Port Adelaide. They dominated inside 50s, but ultimately couldn't put uh, Collingwood away. Yeah, we had a bit of rain before the game started and then it cleared up all, all right. And, and there were a couple of moments for certain that, that Adelaide, Port Adelaide rather, lost their footing and, and Collingwood seemed just a little bit better in terms of their composure and their, their skill delivery. It was a pretty hotly contested game, though. There were certainly patches that you could cue the Benny Hill music. It, it kind of went back and forth, almost volleyball style and lots of tackling. But, um, yeah, Collingwood just... And, and again, I think they're the oldest age profile in the competition in terms of their list that they just looked a little bit more ready for what was to come. And a lot of that is, you know, big games across the year. Collingwood are obviously very experienced when it comes to, to tight contests against top-tier teams. And Port Adelaide, meanwhile, have had a couple of thrillers across the year and um, certainly have blown out some of their easier opponents. So, yeah, it was a funny old one in terms of the weather. I'm, I'm not sure it was a, a drastic impact, but it certainly felt like Collingwood were, were certainly slicker. The Butters and Rosie combination for Port Adelaide stood up in a massive game. Yeah, unfortunately, um, Butters kind of disappeared late, and, and I'll be honest, put my hand up heading into the game. I mean, historically, whenever Zach Butters has had an injury, he, he's just dropped off. Right? Some players can push through, like we saw with Bonson Pelly on Thursday night, um, but yeah, Zach Butters generally goes from a 30 disposal player to a 20 when he has some sort of niggle, and, and we kind of saw that again at the back end of this, this contest. Like, he, he turned up incredibly well in the, the first couple of quarters to the point where, yeah, he, he pushed towards that third disposal mark because he was just so impactful, but faded late. Connor Rosie again, uh, excellent in front of goal. He's, he's two goals coming in the first term and, um, and, and mobile around the ground. The, the two of them are, you know, going to be like the Dacos boys in terms of this partnership that's going to happen for the next 10 years. They're, they're incredibly exciting to watch, but um, yeah, they, they just need to stand up when it really mattered, and I didn't really see that from them. Jamie Elliott has had some massive moments in his career recently. Uh, this was right up there. Yeah, he's excellent. Arguably, you know, one of the better small forwards in the game right now, which is pretty incredible considering he's 30 years old. But um, he loves playing the Adelaide Oval. I think he had 15 goals in eight games heading into the night. And, uh, yeah, absolutely electric with his leading, his pressure in the Ford 50 as well, and the conversion from some of the tight angles to, to finish with his three goals. So, um, again, it's a testament to the Collingwood forward line that, 
they don't uh, really have you know a star key forward like a Charlie Kerno, like a Taylor Walker. That they just get it done. Uh, Dan McStay seems to be a good addition, but yeah, Jamie Elliott uh, and Brody Majek feel like they're their main two, which is pretty surprising because neither of them are yeah that traditional key forward. Uh, we'll move on to the Port Adelaide and Collingwood fantasy wrap here. So 108 points from Conor Rosini has been very solid this season. Yeah, very reliable. Um, and, yeah, we've kind of touched on it a fair bit across the campaign that, that he's a top six forward. So you need to have him into the finals. I mean, imagine most people now have finished their team and it's just about you know using your rookies that you have left to, to try and boost the premiums you have. Mm. And in terms of forward lines, Connor Rosie is the one you need to have, especially if you've got someone like a Jack McRae. Um, he's probably the one that needs to go to get to Connor Rosie. So, um, and then there's not really a drastic difference there, about 100K. So, um, yeah, I, I highly recommend having him for the finals run because yeah he's he's had a really pretty remarkable run and and even after that quiet patch in the middle of the year his last i think eight or nine games have been tons so um yeah he stood up especially now that zach butters at times has been a little bit more flaky uh, dan Houston we know does have a high ceiling 106 points from him was quite solid yeah and a, a really good run uh considering he had the yeah the 41 touches last week he's backed it up again not obviously not as prolific but another ton to go his way and, and we've talked about yeah how he's not always as reliable can be you know, a little bit you know fluctuating with his form but um yeah four four tons in his last five if, if anyone did take the punt uh, and jumped on um yeah congratulations to you because yeah tremendous value when they would have got him he's, he's you know pushing towards almost 100k improvement so um he's not a top six defender uh so i'd only really get him if you're struggling with that d6 in He's in your price range and you can't go higher. But, um, yeah, pretty great late end to the year, which is almost a little bit frustrating in a way because he, he won't be cheap as a result next season. That's for sure. So next one here, Zach Butters, 105 points. So got through the week after a bit of a hip uh, abductor issue uh, from the previous game. Uh, scored well. Again, 105 points, but still probably a bit of a monitor for news this week. Yeah, I was a little worried, as I mentioned, about um, you know how well he would play without hip injuries. Break-even was significantly high at 140. Uh, and, and thankfully, yeah, he had a really incredible first three terms. So it was enough to push him towards that ton, which means he won't lose too much money. And he, he probably stays in my top six conversation right now in terms of the forwards. That that last spot's really hard. So Gordon, Taranto, Dunkley, Rosie, Cornelio, you're top five quite easily. And then you've got you know your McCrae's. Uh, Zach Butters is in that conversation, Caleb Daniel, and maybe even a Luke Jackson, depending on their fixtures. So um, he, he's certainly a chance in that last spot. But um, considering what we've seen at his best when he's in Brownlow form, as he was about a month ago, um, yeah, he's got a massive ceiling. It's just, you know, as we said, how long is this injury? Is it going to linger? Um, or will he continue to play at the top level? A, a showdown always seems to result in some big scores, so I'd be backing him in this weekend. Yeah, and the other one I'll throw in there for for that full contention for the last spot is Sam Flanders. So straight in the midfield, out is off Stuart Dew uh, being removed as coach, and uh, he's getting plenty of decent looks from a fantasy perspective, especially with this growing there as well. So it's another one, obviously, to consider there as well. So the last one here we're just going to talk about from Port Adelaide and Collingwood is Darcy Cameron, 99 points, quite solid. Uh, conditions probably suited him there. Um, got there with a pretty decent score in the end. Yeah, he towed up Port Adelaide's ruck. Um, he won plenty of the footy first possession and beautiful tap work as well. So uh, I imagine that's a, something that will you know really please Craig McRae. Mason Cox still on the side. Didn't really hurt him. I mean, I, I like Darcy Cameron as an option similar to Luke Jackson, where if you get a player who's forward ruck, but, you know, the potential is just so sky high because ruckmen can get the easy points through taps. But... Mm. 
Um, with Darcy Cameron, he's just a little bit volatile. So some games he does disappear, as we've seen over the past couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, when he has that easier calibre opponent, he can certainly push towards a ton. I mean, Carlton this coming weekend, Hawthorne, another one that you should be able to score well against, and Geelong, that's, that's a nice three. You probably wouldn't want him for Brisbane in the prelim final and, and then the Bombers in the grand final if Draper's back by then may be a little bit difficult. But, yeah, he, he can be in that conversation for F6 for sure. On to round nine in fantasy rep. We're going to talk about some notable plays here uh, to finish off the podcast. So 128 points for Marcus Bontempelli. So we did see him roll up to that game with a, a calf strap. So he, he did say on Saturday that he uh, picked up the injury from the previous game. Uh, but he has pulled up well from that game on Friday night. So he should be good to go there this week. Uh, I don't think there's any concerns with that. Yeah, it didn't impact him at all. And, and is easily the best midfielder in the competition now. I mean, Clayton Oliver's pushing on a nine-week absence. So he's, he's really filled into that role. And uh, unfortunately, as we, we talk about these caliber players, you know, over a million dollars, he's made, he's made his break even again. So he's just going to continue to go up. But just really reliable. Um, and it's nice to see him get some bigger scores. Like when we're talking about guys who are tunning every week, you still want them to be a captaincy option. And, and Marcus Bontempelli has certainly become that now. So, um, you know, hopefully this is the start of a really great run for the Bont because we've seen patches of greatness over the last few years. And everyone has consistently said that when he's at his best, he's, he is the best player in the game. But obviously injuries over the past few years, roles fluctuating when he's rotated forward as well it feels like we're starting to get the complete Marcus Bolton belly to the point where he could be a smoky round though chance. Nick Dacos um, obviously won't be pulling many votes from this weekend. Zach Butters has had a quiet couple of weeks. So, um, you know, he's pushing up quite comfortably because he's been the best on ground for the Bulldogs the past fortnight. Completely agree. So the next one here is James Sisley. Quiet week last week gets tagged uh, for a very low score from a fantasy perspective, 121 points this week uh, against the Tigers. Yeah, rewarded those who jumped on him, considering that he's missed a lot of football through injury suspension. And, yeah, the, the 65 last week would have been infuriating for those that got on, considering he'd just come back. And then, yeah, it felt like it, this was a, an apology. Immediately off the, the start, the opening term, just dominated with his intercept marking. And mm. he's not going to get that every week. Richmond's obviously a, a younger side. Their ball delivery is, is not as clean as others. But St Kilda to come this weekend, so who do... Um, I guess not have a strong forward line. Collingwood very similar as well in terms of the fact that they're, you know, that's probably their weakest area. So a nice couple of weeks to come for James Sicily. Um, and yeah, he's in the top six defender discussion. It's just that it's such a high risk because of how he plays. So, um, yeah, if he got on and, and thankfully if he held as well through that 65, uh, massive score. Our next one I'm going to put in here does, wouldn't have uh, that much ownership from top-ranked coaches. 146 points from Charlie Curnow. But the way, uh, but what I want to do is introduce, you know, targeting key forwards against West Coast, especially to finish off the season because Curnow is obviously quality, but a high ceiling game. And that's pretty much what we want to start to be targeting if you're pretty happy with your players on your field. 100%, and he had 151 on them the first time they played, which all of a sudden means, as you touched on, if you're in a favourable position heading into finals where you feel like your 22 is complete and, and you're essentially just topping up some of the guys, maybe pushing them towards premiums, there'll be some coaches out there who've had a, a really favourable year and haven't been impacted by the Laird injuries, the Tom Green injuries, Sam Walsh, whatever. Um, if you're in that position of real luxury trading, 
a key forward against West Coast through the final series is maybe the way to go. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if the hunt for the car is on in the final round if the top coaches at F6 go Taylor Walker because Adelaide will absolutely obliterate West Coast as they will very likely be in a situation where their spot in the eight is on the line. Uh, they'll be chasing percentage to try and get in. Taylor Walker could be the guy to target come grand final week. Love the thought process right there. So next one here, Sam Doherty, 130 points. Now, we did see in that game, Sam Walsh was on absolute fire early and he was on target for a massive score. He does his hamstring out of the game and obviously Doherty just racks up some um, massive disposals there and finishes again with 130 points. Yeah, I brought him in this week purely because I, I saw the outs for Carlton and assumed that he'd be getting some more midfield time. And yeah, he just cashed in against the West Coast Eagles. And as you said, Walsh will miss multiple weeks now. Cripps is expected to come back in. Um, Chera probably the same. But I don't think it hurts Sam Doherty at all, considering that even when he's down back, he still finds a way to ton. So, yeah, he's another, when we talk about finalising your team, you know, obviously in the top six defenders, everyone knows that. But getting on him now is the way to go because he's just going to get harder and harder to reach. Um, you know, the 130 will just set him up very nicely for the next campaign as he continues to push towards a million. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, if you got on him this week, congrats, because it was the right matchup to get him and... Hopefully, we continue to see some more midfield minutes. Next one here, Tom Stewart, 116 points. So just uh, probably another one we want to target if you don't own, uh, finishing off the season with a few games there at GM HBO Stadium. Yeah, the back six is a tricky one. We've, we've touched on this the last few weeks, that it feels like there is that five if you include Sicily, and then that last spot's a little bit shaky. You know, Luke Ryan's had good form, and Tom Stewart's in there as well, and he's obviously the most affordable option. The style of gameplay certainly worked for him on the weekend. It was low scoring. Both defences were setting up their walls and chipping it around. So that really helped Tom Stewart. He's an incredibly volatile player. He can push as high as, yeah, 120 and some weeks has 60s purely on, on how the ball movement is uh, and how slow the pace is. So um, he certainly it certainly worked for him against Brisbane. Fremantle's a great matchup at home. I mean, they don't leave Kidinia Park for the next couple of weeks. So that's a nice kind of setup there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Tom Stewart at, at a D6 is it may be the way to go, especially with he's probably a better option than Will Day if you, you're trying to look at those, you know, lower kind of uber premium options in, in your back line. I'd go Stewart over Day. Uh, next one here is Luke Parker, 127 points from him. So we did see Callum Mills spend more time on the outside and John Longmire said in his post-game press that that was due to some soreness throughout the week. So interesting to see how that plays out. We did see Goulden go into the middle of the ground a little bit more on Saturday night. And the Swans were on fire early in this game. They just sort of held on to that lead at the end. So Parker puts in a pretty solid midfield usage and again, 127 points. Yeah, really thankful because I, I had to hold him um, purely because Tom Green was out and Roy Laird was out. So um, I was planning on moving him to Josh Kelly, and I may still do that this weekend. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be getting him in if you don't own him. I think it's just a, a bit of a reward for owners considering that Sydney now is back to full strength. They've got all their options in the midfield. And, and Luke Parker, as good as he is and as much of a leader as he is, he's probably the better player to go forward if you had to choose out of the options. So there's going to be you know times where he spends a lot of, a lot of time up forward and will kick a couple of goals, but his scoring just never hits those heights. He's generally around the 80, 90 mark when he does that. So the 127, very thankful for that. And as you said, Callum Mills being injured certainly contributed, but don't expect it for the run home. A Josh Kelly straight swap may be the way to go because he's bottomed out in price and his role is just a little bit more reliable. Next one here, Max Gorn, 115 points. So, again, no Brody Grundy for the week, and that sort of 
you know, helps Gorn and a little bit of freedom um, sitting behind the ball, taking intercept marks and going forward and hitting the scoreboard that way. A couple of goals today against uh, Adelaide. So, again, 115 points, and it's a good situation for him with Brody Grundy out of that team. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch, considering all the injury concerns that most of us would have had. Uh, I think a lot of people would have loved to have got gone in, considering his break even was, was down in the 40s. Uh, and again, yeah, catching in on that solo ruck time. Like, he feels like he belongs in that conversation. Like, it, it is Marshall and English as your top two, but Max Gorn, you certainly can't go wrong with him. The, the issue, as you've touched on, is if Simon Goodwin decides to bring Grundy back at any point, it, it'll send him back to his 80s marks. But I just can't see it happening anytime soon. Mel- Melbourne are clicking with him in that role. Brody Grundy's obviously trying to learn to be a forward, and, and many of those within the system say that that's not something that's easy to teach for a, key, a, a, a ruckman, rather. So, um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the way that it is stays. Uh, and it's favourable for Gorn because they've got Richmond, North Carlton, Hawthorne, and then Sydney as a final five. All of those hip dominate. But they're, especially, you know, Richmond doesn't have Nank. North Melbourne, I mean, Zeria and Goldstein are a combo, but he generally outclasses them. And then the last three in the finals are massive. So, I'd argue that if you can't, if you really can't reach English, um, who is going to lose some price off of his 90, um, Gorn is probably, Gorn and Marshall could be the go, because that'll enable you to move some money around a bit more. Um, I, I get that English's ceiling is so dramatically high, but Gorn is the same now. You know, at his best, he's a 110 player, and we've seen that the last couple of weeks. So mm. if you're trying to find some money and you're out of options on your bench and you can't really cash in with a downgrade, English to Gorn, could be a little pod move that nets you some some flexibility around the team. Uh, last one here we're going to do is Jack Steele, 133 points against the Kangaroos on Sunday afternoon in Melbourne. So you know, he's had that leg strapping uh, off his knee uh, for a couple of weeks now, so he looks quite fresh, and those scores are starting to flow now. Again, 133 points. Yeah, I think... Um I was still a little bit unsure, purely. I mean, he had the massive game, 146 against Melbourne. The, the Suns last week, even though he did get 106, it was a very slow start, and I was yeah. still a bit hesitant to, to get on. I mean, his break even made sense um, for those who, yeah, when he went sideways with Laird or, or Green to get him. Um, it was worth the gamble in the end, and, and you're right. He, he's back to his best now, so the, there's no concern or worry that he's going to go back to the 60-70 guy that we saw in the middle of the year. I think he's shaking it off. Perfect timing as well with a, a great run to come for St Kilda and obviously a lot more affordable than some of the other premium options. But this is probably the last week. If you don't get on him now, um, he is going to start start to push towards that high 800 mark and all of a sudden he, he's back in that uber premium conversation where there's a lot of good options around him. So the last week of value is probably now if you want to get onto him and I'd, I'd recommend it. I think he, he's shown enough over the last three weeks to instill confidence back in his game. Well, Aaron, where can the listeners find you this week? Uh, so they can find me uh, at Aaron Bryans on Twitter, calling the showdown Saturday night, which is pretty exciting. I mean, as always, it's a great rivalry, but there's a lot on the line. I mean, Port Adelaide need a win to really lock in top two now that they've lost to Collingwood. And the Crows, um, you know, have shown a lot over this year against top-tier teams, but just can't seem to get over the line when it matters. And as a result, um, I did the little ladder predictor across the weekend, and they needed to beat one of Melbourne, win the showdown, or Brisbane to get into the eight. Uh, and Brisbane at the Gab is just not going to happen. So they have to win all the games they're favourite in and, and probably knock off Port Adelaide this coming weekend. So it, it, there's a lot on the line in this game, which just adds to the intensity that's already there between the, the budding rivalry. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. So you can hear me on that game Saturday night. 
yeah, can't wait. Uh, love a show down now, obviously, there as well. So you can find me at AFR Ratings, Pete, on Twitter, afrratings.com.au, for a stack of fantasy information across the week and throughout the weekend, and the AFR Ratings and associated Twitter accounts there as well. Well, Aaron, all the best in your planning for your trades this week, and we'll speak to you after round 20. Thanks, Pete.